I'm going to tell a little bit of a story this evening, if I may, just for a minute. There were two men who began attending a church at around the same time. Uh, they were around the same age, um, and one was a blue-collar worker, uh, what we might call a salt-of-the-earth type of person, worked with his hands, worked hard, sun up to sundown. And the other would probably be described as more white-collar, a businessman, maybe a business owner, uh, someone who definitely did not uh, work with his hands. And about a year or so after they started attending the church, both men uh, became involved in various ministry. Uh, the blue-collar man taught Sunday school, and the white-collar man uh, became a member of the church board. The blue-collar man uh, taught Sunday school, but often would get things wrong. Um, and the head Sunday school teacher, sometimes the pastor, would have to sit down with him to uh, correct his teaching, to uh, correct his uh, maybe faulty theology that he had picked up along the way. And the man was often stubborn and rarely thought before he spoke, and sometimes that also would uh, cause him to say hurtful things. And that also had to be addressed several times. White Collar Man invited to join the board and was selected to succeed the treasurer who had sat on the board for a long time, was ready to, to step back, to retire, to take a little bit of a break. And at times, the board members would notice some discrepancies in the financial reports when this man took over. Nothing big, a few dollars here, a few dollars there. And sometimes money would seem to go unaccounted for, and some of the board members suspected that the new treasurer was using some creative accounting to maybe take some of the church's money for himself. So, let me ask you a question. If you were attending that church, what would you think? How would you react to the, the, the blue-collar man who is often hot-headed and um, teaches Sunday school but teaches wrong theology? Uh, how would you react to the, uh, the businessman who seemed to be skimming some off of the top uh, and lining his pockets with the, with the church's funds? Would you want them removed from ministry? Would you want them removed from the church? Would you be friends with those people? Tonight I want to talk about two men. One was a hard-working fisherman who spoke his mind all the time, sometimes to his own detriment. And the other might be considered a financial expert, uh, someone who was quiet and unassuming, but who was eventually discovered to be dishonest, maybe even treacherous. Both men walked with Jesus and were, account, or were counted with the apostles, Jesus' inner circle of disciples. Both men lived with Jesus, worked with Jesus, walked with Jesus, witnessed his teaching, witnessed his actions, his healing. And both men were given power by the Holy Spirit 
to go and teach and preach the gospel, to go and heal other people, to, to cast out demons, all of the things that Jesus was able to do. And both of these men sat at Jesus' feet on the night he was arrested. Of course, if you've been at church any amount of time, you probably know I'm talking about Simon Peter and Judas Iscariot. Peter might, we, he might have what we would call a checkered walk with Jesus. Uh, I don't think he ever did anything with the intent of questioning Jesus or hurting Jesus or anything like that, but he was very impulsive. He said what he thought and did what he thought was right, whether it was what Jesus wanted or not. And he was just this man of the moment. Um, I, I can relate to Jesus a lot of times because a lot of times I'll speak before I think and it will get me into trouble. And this is what happened with Peter. Peter was the only apostle, for example, who got out of the boat. So we read this story about how Jesus walked on water and how uh, he was uh, walking on water in this great storm. And all of the apostles were frightened except for Peter. Peter said, can I come out and walk on the water with you? And Jesus said, yes, you can come out. And Peter went out and he walked on the water until he took his eyes off of Jesus and started to sink and started to drown. And Jesus had to reach down and grab him out of the water. And Jesus said, why do you have such little faith, Peter? Peter was the only apostle to answer Jesus' question, who do you say that I am, with the answer, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus even looked at Peter and said, you are Peter, and upon this rock, this testimony that you have just given, I am going to build my church. And three minutes later, Jesus starts talking about how he is going to be going to Jerusalem and be turned over to be tortured and beaten and to be killed. And of course, Peter says, no, you can't talk about those things. Don't say that you're going to be killed. There's nothing good about that. We don't want to hear that. To which Jesus replied, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God. Peter was the only apostle to, that, that came to Jesus' defense when he was being arrested. He drew his sword. He cut the ear off of one of the people who had came to arrest Jesus. And right away, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, that's not what I want. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. It seemed like every time Peter did something, he was getting rebuked for it, or he would do something to mess everything up that he was doing. And then there was Judas Iscariot. We don't know a whole lot about Judas. We don't read a whole lot about him, except that we know that he was the son of a man named Simon. And we know that Iscariot was most likely uh, a reference to where he came from. Iscariot means son of Kerioth, and Kerioth is a town about maybe 10 miles south of a place called Hebron, but it was not in Galilee. All the other apostles 
came from Galilee, except for Judas. Judas was the outsider of all of the apostles. So we didn't really know that much about him. The apostles didn't know that much about him, except to say that Jesus called him. Jesus said, come and follow me, and Judas Iscariot followed Jesus. But we don't read much about the things that he did. We don't read a whole lot about you know, his responsibilities, except that he was the guy that carried the money. Right? So anytime uh, people would give to Jesus' ministry, there was this money bag, and, and Judas would be the one to carry it. But the things we do read about Judas are disturbing. <laughs> Judas Iscariot is mentioned several times in the Bible, and almost every single time the authors point out that Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus by turning him over to the religious leaders who wanted him arrested. Almost every single time. You'd read in a passage in Scripture, here's the list of all of the other apostles, Peter, James, and John, oh, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus! They wanted you to make sure that you knew that Judas Iscariot was the one who betrayed Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I don't want that kind of, of thing written behind my name every time somebody writes something about me. Right? That's a weird designation. And the one who betrayed Jesus. I mean, we still use the term Judas today to refer to somebody who sells out his friends. I don't want that pressure. So we don't know a whole lot about Judas at all before he became an apostle, but it is apparent that the apostles did not think much of him. There's a story in John chapter 12 about a woman named Mary, one of Jesus' disciples, one of Jesus' friends, who poured expensive perfume all over Jesus' feet in order to honor him. This is in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. And if, if you want to open to that in your Bible or your Bible app, you can do that. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. And we read, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I don't know if you've ever smelled pure nard before. You actually can get it. It's, it's still available today. It is fragrant. If we opened up just a, a small container, it would fill this room. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, there's that comment again about Judas betraying Jesus, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And then John writes this. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. According to the gospel writers, Judas was a bad man. He was a bad disciple. He was a bad apostle. 
He was a thief. He was a betrayer. And quite honestly, if I were one of the apostles, I would probably be thinking almost constantly, what is he doing here? Jesus, I know that you're wise and I know that you know everything about everything. Or at least it seems like it. Why is this man here? I mean, did Jesus know about Judas from, from the beginning, from when he called him? Did he know that Judas was this dishonest thief? This treacherous person? We can never be sure, at least until we talk to Jesus face to face, and maybe we might look at him and say, what were you thinking? But we have two men, both apostles, both imperfect, to say the least, and both of these men on the very same night turned their backs on Jesus. Peter, the impetuous apostle, Judas, the thief, turned their backs on him. Peter for his own personal safety, and Judas for some other reasons. And while Jesus was eating his last supper with the disciples, we read that he knew that both of them would turn his back or turn their backs on him. And in John chapter 13, we read the account of Jesus confronting Judas Iscariot. In John 13, verse, uh, starting in verse 21, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. And you can just imagine Peter sitting there kind of across the table from John and, and kind of looking at him. Ask him. And the disciple leaning back against Jesus said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. Because Jesus could not give a straight answer. He didn't want to just say, it's Judas. And he dipped the morsel and he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. And Judas got up from the table. He left. About five minutes later, Jesus turns to Simon Peter. We read about this in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 34. And we've read this before uh, as we've been going through this journey with Jesus. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew that Peter was going to turn his back on him. He knew that Peter's faith would falter. But he also knew, or at least he prayed, 
that Peter would return again. And Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And again, you can just kind of see Peter, you know, this big fisherman all puffed up. No, Jesus, I will die before anything happens to you. And Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, that the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And I think that Peter continued having that attitude of no way. There is not any way in the world I would die for you. He drew his sword when Jesus was arrested. No, I'm not going to let them take you. But then Jesus was arrested. And Jesus rebuked him for pulling his sword while he was being arrested. And Peter ran with the rest as Jesus was being arrested. And within the next six to eight hours maybe, we see Judas leading mercenaries to Jesus so they could arrest him. And we see Peter denying three times to three different people that he even knew Jesus. Within those eight hours, we also read that both men felt remorse for what happened. We read about Peter in Matthew 26, 69-75. And we're not going to read all of this right now. These are the different times that Peter denied knowing who Jesus was. And this last time, Peter began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately, the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And we read, he went out and wept bitterly. Bitterly. And right after this, we read about Judas. Matthew chapter 27, verses 1-5. through five. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put Him to death. And they bound Him and led Him away and delivered Him over to Pilate the governor. Then when Judas... His betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned. He changed his mind. That's what repentance means. It means to change your mind. But that's not really what Judas did here. He changed his mind. He brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And he threw down the money, the 30 pieces of silver into the temple, and he departed and he hanged himself. Judas experienced remorse we might read into this that he truly repented of that sin. That he truly repented of what he had done. But it's obvious that he didn't really repent. He was sorry for himself. He was sorry, yes, for what he had done. 
but he was sorry more for how it affected him than how it affected Jesus. And he went and he killed himself. So what's the difference between these two apostles, these two men who walked with Jesus and ministered with Jesus, who healed people and cast out demons? What is the difference between these two people who turned their back on Jesus in the end? There's one difference, and that is true repentance. Peter and Judas were both remorseful. And maybe that's a better word for what we see Judas going through. Yes, he had remorse. But was he truly sorry? We'll never know because he went out and hanged himself. Immediately. Peter understood that his actions meant that he had abandoned his friend at his greatest hour of need. In fact, if you read through the Gospels, you don't even see any indication that Peter was there when Jesus was led up the hill of Calvary. There's no indication that Peter was there when Jesus was nailed to a cross. There's no indication that he was there when Jesus breathed his last breath and was removed from the cross and carried to the borrowed tomb. There's nothing there saying that Peter was there. We don't get the indication that Peter was able to ask forgiveness of Jesus for what had happened. But we can read in the Gospels that Peter did return. He returned to the other apostles, to the other disciples. And though it doesn't say it explicitly in the Scripture, I have a feeling that Peter confessed his denial to the people who he was closest to. He confessed that sin. He wanted to be with them even if he wasn't with Jesus at the end. Judas, it appears, doesn't believe that he could possibly have been forgiven. He didn't go back to the other apostles. He didn't go back to the other disciples. He didn't go to Mary, Jesus' mother, and say, I did this and I am so sorry that I did. He took it upon himself to punish himself. To kill himself. Because in the end, I think that Judas had a wrong idea about who Jesus was. I think Judas had an idea that Jesus was a wise teacher. Jesus was a good man. But he was misled. He didn't really know what he was doing and he was going to get people killed. There are some people today who have this idea that Jesus never existed at all. That He's some fictional character in some weird mythology like a Zeus or a Thor that people just made up. Some people believe that Jesus existed, believed Him to be a historical figure, and 
believed him to be a fine moral teacher. But they don't believe that Jesus did the things that the Bible says he did. They don't believe that he healed people miraculously. They don't believe that he walked on water. They don't believe that he rose from the dead. They deny that Jesus is who Jesus said he was. Who Peter confessed that he was. The Christ. The Son of the living God. And there are those of us, like me, like most of you, who believe that Jesus did what He said He did. And He was who He said He was. And that He still is who He says He is. We believe that He rose from the grave on the third day. Easter Sunday, two days from now. You see, by this time, way back when Jesus was killed, He was already laying in a tomb. There was no hope. The apostles, the disciples, even His mother believed he was gone. And that's where we find ourselves on Good Friday. Except we have the benefit of knowing what they didn't know. We have the benefit of knowing that Jesus Christ did rise from the grave. Jesus Christ did walk amongst His disciples again. Jesus Christ did ascend to heaven to sit on the right hand of God the Father to make intercessor for us. So that we who would come to believe that He is all of the things that He says He is, when we confess our sins, when we ask forgiveness, Jesus is standing right there next to the Father, showing Him His hands, showing Him His side, and saying, I have paid the price. This is why I went. Wipe their sins clean, Father. Jesus' death means forgiveness. And it means reconciliation to God for all who believe. And His resurrection means that one day we will live in the presence of God the Father forever. Eternal life is promised to us because Jesus defeated death. If you have a hard time believing this, just have a simple question. Are you willing to consider truly and honestly the things that are written about Jesus? Are you able to consider truly and honestly who you think He is. Would you pray with me? 
Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank You that from before creation, You had a plan to save us from sin. You had a plan to reconcile us to You. You, know, you knew we would be broken before we were broken. And Father, we thank You for sending Your Son to die and to rise again so that we might live. Father, there are so many in East Berlin, in Adams County, in Pennsylvania, who just don't believe. Father, help them to consider who Jesus is. Speak to them through Your Holy Spirit so that they might know that Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. And pray these things in the precious name of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we complete our service this evening, we are considering Christ's time in the tomb. And we're considering the hopelessness that those who followed Him felt Friday night and all day Saturday. So I'd like to ask, as we leave this place tonight, as we consider Jesus in the tomb, would we please exit the sanctuary in silence, in reverence for His death? On Sunday morning, we will joyfully celebrate His resurrection with our sunrise service at 6.30, our morning service at 9. And if you'd like to join us, we'll even feed you. We'll have breakfast for you on Sunday morning. But for now, can we please leave in silence? God bless you.